1: Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text Pod to 500, 500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text Pod to 500-500.
2: Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 306 and also 307. Yes, a matching pair of podcasts being released in the same day unprecedented on the Nerdist Podcast. I will explain uh, all of it now to give it some context. I apologize. It's going to be a little long-winded, but uh, it will sort of explain what's going on and what this is, because this was a very special two-part episode, an accidental two-part episode of the Nerdist Podcast. But, uh... Uh, if you don't know what Valve is, I'm sure you do if you're listening to this, but if you don't, uh, Gabe Newell, who is basically the papal father of gaming, um, has a company called Valve. And Valve makes uh, games like Dota and Portal and Left 4 Dead and Left 4 Ted 2 and Team Fortress and Team Fortress 2 and Counter-Strike. Um, and it's uh, it's an amazing, amazing company that operates very uniquely and, so, and also has an incredible relationship with its fans. And um, so a friend of mine works at Valve. Her name is Karen Prell. She is an animator and happens to animate Wheatley. And also, uh, just as a side note, is the puppeteer behind Red Fraggle and always has been. So uh, the person who is Red Fraggle also made Wheatley, which is, uh, which is kind of a fun little factoid. But anyway, she said, hey, if you're ever up uh, in Washington, let us know. And I'd love to give you a tour of Valve. And I was like, I, Karen, I would love to let you do that. So last year for Chloe's birthday, I thought, oh, this is going to be really fun. Let's go up to Valve uh, for your birthday. I know, we're spoiled nerds. I, we're spoiled bastard nerds, but I want you to know one thing. I get to do a lot of cool stuff, and I appreciate the fuck out of it. The reason that I speak in superlatives all the time, and I think that everything's amazing, and everything's incredible, and everything's fascinating, is because it fucking is! So, get over that. Uh, I love that I get to do this stuff, and you would too, so, um, this was a tremendous honor that we we got to go up to Valve. So we go up there, and Karen gives us a, a tour of the offices, which is incredible, and We get to have lunch with the guys who wrote uh, the script for Portal and Portal 2, uh, Jay Pickerton and Eric Walpaw, who actually happen to be Nerdist Podcast listeners. Hello, gentlemen. And then, you know, right before we went up there, I said to my friend Karen, hey, by the way, if Gabe Newell wanted to be on a podcast, I would accept that. And cut to the end of the tour we uh, get shuffled into a conference room and sit down with Gaben himself uh, and then talk to him for about an hour and 20 minutes and he was fucking awesome awesome Um, huge Doctor Who fan just a really sweet guy good guy one of the smartest people you'll ever talk to and as soon as we were done, we shook hands and took a picture, and we were driving to the airport. And I was kind of punching myself in the arm, like, "Good job, you—you you really pulled one off today." And then, sort of, stopped mid-sentence, and realized, "Oh, fuck! We barely talked about games," uh, because Valve as a company is so incredibly fascinating. If you—if you want to find it online, you should look at Valve's employee handbook. It's incredible. It's a very unique. Uh, organizational structure that they have with the company, but basically it's a straight line No one outranks anyone else and then Gabe kind of sticks above everyone else But in general the company just keeps themselves in check as human beings. No one has any titles and It works. They're not just one of the greatest gaming companies in the world But one of the greatest companies in the world and you you see it with the way they interact like I said with their fans And then with the product that they make um, amazing 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 game, so uh we talked mostly about valve's corporate structure and valve as a company and so i just flash forwarded in my head to reddit and the scumbag chris hardwick meme of me and someone writing podcast gabe newell never talks about games so i sheepishly uh, sent an email and said may i come back please and talk about games and he said yes because like I said he's fucking awesome so uh, I called my buddy Will Wheaton who was also a huge Valve enthusiast to say the least and Will and Chloe and I went back up to Washington the first Gabe podcast was recorded in September of 2012 and this one with Will was a month later in October of 2012 but this time not only did we get Gaben but we also got uh, Robin Walker of Team Fortress fame and uh, David Sawyer who is funny if you go to the Valve software website all the writes in his bio is David makes cool levels that you love to play that is all and we all just sat in a room and talked about games so that is the delineation I didn't want to I was going to edit them all into one mega podcast but I thought there's just too much juicy information here and Gabe is such a fascinating guy and I know how much people love him so you can just have all of it so episode 306 is all about Valve games so uh, that's me and will and Chloe and, and, and Gabe and uh, talking about valve and, and their philosophies on gaming and episode 307 is just me and Chloe talking to Gabe and about valve as a company. Uh, I recommend both highly but I wanted to give you guys the option of having both. so if you if you consume one and you're like still hungry then stuff this into your ear maw. Um, and, uh, I would like to thank this, I, first of all, I'd like to thank Valve, I'd like to thank my friend Karen, and then Gaben, for, uh, being so generous with his time. He's probably a little busy, um, uh, but, uh, was totally gracious and lovely. So, I would like to thank, uh, very appropriately sponsoring this episode of the Nerdist Podcast, Falcon Northwest Computers, that's falcon-nw.com, who make the best, uh, gaming rigs that you could possibly want. Uh, you can get. They'll make tower systems. They'll make frag boxes. They make uh, uh, gaming laptops, and they're all customized. They, they'll do them exactly to your specifications, and with whatever kind of design or art you want on there, and any color, anything you want. So they they sent us. We got for Chloe um, a, a like a fiery red DRX, which is sort of a, a turbo uh, heavy lifting gaming laptop, fire red, and then they put a. Um, uh, a companion cube right on the top. And then Chloe got Gabe to sign a piece of paper, and with his permission, they put it on they printed it onto, um, onto the computer so it's uh, they, they do incredible work and they're super nice and honestly god if you look at any reviews for Falcon Northwest I mean it's like five stars across the board their customer service is incredible and they're just nice so that's Falcon Northwest computers for any of your gaming uh, computing needs falcon-nw.com and now a reward for sticking it out through the longest intro in Nerdist Podcast history but I feel like it was kind of important because the context was necessary to help you understand this and I'm making it longer by qualifying it. Okay, here it is. Uh, Valve and Nerdist are holding a contest. Perhaps you've heard of the Design, Innovate, Communicate, Entertain, or DICE Summit. Uh, it is February 5th through 8th in Las Vegas, Nevada, and this year they will be inducting Gabe into the Academy of Interactive Arts and Sciences Hall of Fame. And here's what we're going to do we're going to ask you to create some artwork. This artwork should be some kind of Valve-Nerdist mashup, however you um, envision that, of just Valve imagery and Nerdist Im- imagery mashed together, and uh, and that's it. You're going to submit it as a JPEG or a PNG file or a GIF to the following email address, contest at nerdist.com. And you're going to do this by 6 p.m. January 25th. The winner will get, this is paid for by Valve, Because Gabe said he wanted to do this for you guys. It was his idea. Um, Two tickets. First class to the Dice Summit. Passes to all the panels. Uh, You're going to get a nice room at the Hard Rock Hotel. And then you're going to get to sit front and center for Gaben's keynote. So... it's it's kind of a huge package deal just for making a really cool piece of artwork. And that's it. You gotta be 18-enter. For complete rules, go to Nerdist.com and find the post that has the uh, Valve Nerdist contest. So, again, this is just the kind of shit that Valve does. And we are helping them facilitate it. And uh, and I hope it is the first of many things that we get to do with Valve. uh, Because I love them. A lot. And I hope you do too. And if you don't, then you will after these podcasts. And if you do already, then you will... By orders of magnitude. So here we go The Nerdist Podcast, episodes number 306 and 307 with Gabe Newell. Enjoy your deadly neuro burrito.
3: Now entering nerdist.com. That's, that's, so, that's so Thanks surreal. For
4: coming back it's, so surreal.
3: <laughs> it's a cereal. It is a cereal. Hello. It's Hello. lovely Hello. to see you again. You're going to yep. make
0: this the This is rap? Will. Sorry. Hello, Will. How are Hi. you? How do you do? Good. How are you? I'm great. It's a real pleasure to meet you. Oh, my gosh. This was so
2: nice for you to come back and do. Gabe, here's what happened. <laughs> we did this great podcast. I got so obsessed with your corporate structure at Valve. That I barely said anything about video games, and I just envisioned like uh, digital pots of oil and pitchforks coming from Reddit to stake me and run me off the internet forever. So I said, "Hey, maybe I can come back up, and I'll bring Will, and uh, you guys can meet, um, and then uh, and then and then we'll just talk a little bit about video games, if that's okay with you." Sure. Okay. Cool. First of all, I think video games aren't gonna last. <laughs> um, it's it's a, a, well, and they're it's also dying they're history. ruining our children. <laughs> they're yeah. really, and
0: it, yeah, it, and with heavy metal music, yeah, are in clearly not safe in the bedroom.
2: How much backward masking do you put on your video games to tell? Oh, them? it depends upon how late
4: we are on the project.
0: <laughs> <laughs> do you comment your code Satan with back, with backward masking? <laughs>
4: there, are, there are some embarrassing things in our code, like. Um, uh, a lot of obscenities usually directed at some hardware vendor in the
0: code. So. <laughs> Is that true? Oh, absolutely. Oh, that's fantastic. I was uh, I was I was talking with some with, with one of the guys from the Dota team today and he was telling me that there's a person who loves Dota so much that he diffs the Dota releases. And oh, absolutely. Then does the equivalent of an unboxing of the code. Mm -hmm. Um, that's amazing well and
4: the interesting thing is that there are people who do it so reliably that you can use that as a messaging channel so if there's something you want to get out to people you know, like if you just come out and say it, it's one thing. But if they have to go rooting through the code, <laughs> the <that> debugger, <you laughs> yeah. then uh, it seems to have a lot more value. So uh, that's like a nerd cootie catcher.
5: <laughs> Fuck me! Hey, come on! <laughs> I
4: had to work for that. So yeah, <laughs> it's nerd mash. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. So it's, it's it's one of those weird things where, you know, like with the Portal Two announcement, where we really had to trust that the, uh, like we, we created a whole series of what we thought were impossible puzzles and problems and we really had to trust that that they would that the that the fans would actually go and do these things that we thought would take them millions of years and it <laughs> took them like seven hours uh it's just one of those as those things yeah. i
3: might have been
0: too <laughs> <laughs> i might have been involved in
4: that a little
3: bit
5: <laughs>
2: yeah. well it is kind of interesting where you you know because obviously valve is a very smart cluster of human beings but it's it's almost governmental in the way it's like we have to stay ahead of them so how, how do you continue like how, how do you continue to stay ahead of people when particularly when some people have all the time in the world to invest in stuff and, and their time in to try to crack that shit?
4: I think it's you have to st- uh, stop thinking that you're in charge and start thinking that you're having a dance right it's it's uh, you know we used to think we're smart. Robin is almost, <laughs> and, but, you know, nobody is smarter than the internet. Like, like, a lot of people will point to some individual thing at the internet and say, oh, that's really stupid. and But in aggregate, um, you know, it's like one of the things we learned pretty early on is don't ever, ever try to lie to the internet because they will catch you, they will deconstruct your spin, they will... Remember everything you ever say, you know, for eternity. So, uh, you know, and it's it's it. You can see sort of like old school companies really struggle with that. They still think that they can be in control of the message because they go to press people and then the press people repeat what they're told, and then five seconds later, you know, somebody's posting, you know goats having sex with a <laughs> PR person, you know, on, on 4chan, you know, and, and completely calling bullshit on whatever it was. So, uh, yeah, the internet in aggregate is is scary smart. And uh, the sooner people accept that and, you know, start to trust that that's the case, I think the, the better they're going to be at interacting with it.
3: Well, it's kind of worked to your advantage because your fans are so loyal now and... You have such a huge following. Yeah, uh,
4: but, you know, it, it, you know, we tend to think of it as, like, every time we do something, we're putting a little bit in the bank. Mm-hmm. You know, at some point, we'll do something stupid, like there'll be a security problem or a source code, you know, and we'll have to do a, a withdrawal. But it's really easy to burn people's trust really fast. You know, we're really cognizant of everything we do, having the potential of, of alienating people. Uh, the nice thing is that, you know, We're in it because we like being part of the community, right? That we're building stuff and we have a role and it's a really fun role. And, uh, you know, we don't want to, you know, use that power for evil. So, uh, you know, that, you know, and as soon as we start to go evil, they'll, you know, the, the pitchforks and burning oil really will come out. Or even worse, they'll make us sell ourselves to some evil overlord who will, Get rid of our bonuses. This this
0: realization recently that my relationship with Valve is not this like customer, uh, I don't feel like a customer. I feel like I feel heavily invested, I feel personally invested in Valve doing well because I feel like when I get a Valve game, I feel like as a company, Valve sort of like doesn't treat me like I'm stupid and doesn't mm-hmm. treat me like I'm disposable, like like the, the community interaction. And yep. I love that you describe it as a dance. Uh, I, I think that is such a smart way. It is how we have to engage, we as creators, mm-hmm. it's how we have to engage with the people who love the things we make nowadays. When did you make that decision? Uh,
4: I think it, it was, I think we had confidence in '96, when we started the company, that that was the right way to do it, which is why, you know, Robin's here, right? I mean, Robin was, you know, a punk Australian failing <laughs> college, uh, <laughs> and we looked not at attending it. college. I wasn't failing it.
0: You were failing
6: to <laughs> attend college, <top>, <laughs> I believe. He yes. had
4: been kicked out of the University Exaggeration. of <laughs> <not> Rock, <laughs> and uh, looking for free food and trash cans. And we looked at him and said, oh, my God, he's a member of the gaming community, and he will create a, a jewel of, you know, unbelievable beauty, which was Steve Fortress too, and he did eventually. Uh, he also created Ricochet. <laughs> <laughs> was it
2: a, was the school experience a fun thing where you, like, uh, you hacked the school computers and put, like, the dean's t- wife's tits
6: to magically appear on everyone's home screen at the same time in a certain hour, and they were like, all right, that's it, you're out. Uh, no, not quite, but we certainly had our way with the school network.
5: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
6: I, mean, uh, I, I the time I was in school was the exact moment where... School, computer, sorry, schools were getting whole bunches of computers yeah. and so someone had to run them and the right person to do that was obviously the person who was teaching typing. Of, of sure. course. Sure. they exactly the, the same thing. It's like a typewriter. It's got yeah. a keyboard. So yeah. they, they would put these poor people who knew how to teach touch typing in control of the school network. Like Mavis Beacon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so inevitably all the kids who had computers at home knew way, way more than the teachers were and had their way with the school network. So. We did all kinds of terrible things. See? Yeah, Mavis's so,
4: password is Mavis
5: one.
4: But <laughs> <laughs> so the thing I think that's going to happen is we already start seeing seeing that continue to evolve. So the things that we saw that made us think of how Valve was organized and what our relationship with the community is like, they're still work. they still at, those processes are still at work, and if anything, they seem to be accelerating. So I'll give you a really concrete example of that, which is ten times as much content comes out for TF2 from the community as comes out from Valve, right? So even though we have, you know, the best artists we can find anywhere in the world and they work really hard, they're crushed by what, how much of the experience is coming out of, uh, you know, the people who are playing the game, right? Who's the the guy who's made half a million dollars? uh, Lara, Lara. Yeah, so, you know, like, you know, we have members of the community who make more money off of our games than <laughs> than people who are working on the product, right? Uh, and so this this notion that we're part of the community is becoming more literal all the time. And right now we think that that's the direction things are a- headed in, that our role is not to be the creator or author. You know, we're having sort of like, we're kind of creating this the crystal around which everything else will will cohere but it really is the community that's going to be building these games so you know it it used to be it was sort of scary the idea that it's a really comforting idea that you're an auteur right and that even putting your vision on celluloid is a violation of this you know the and that the audience's job is to come to your vision and, and appreciate it and take it in and then when you build a video game it's like you're totally out of control of the experience. Experience happening in this other person's head, and if you're a good game designer, you can't get away from it. And then you build a multiplayer game, and most of the game experience is not a function of the, all the hard work and programming and art you put into it. It's a function of what's happening between a group of sociopathic strangers, <laughs> right? And now we're you know that process is continuing where you know people want to put you know. You know, penis hats yeah. on their characters, and you know, uh, turns out a million other people want to do it too. And you're like, "Oh <laughs> That's my <because> god!" Society <laughs> frowns on us wearing penis hats in real life. We have to do which it which is again. frankly
0: bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> we don't
4: want to start the penis
2: hat club. We'll just go out. Sure. I don't already you have, have a penis cape. have cape of dicks. Yeah, capes capes of dicks. dick yeah.
3: Dicks
2: of cape. <laughs> Someone, I had, I had this, I had a reference in one of my jokes to like a cape made out of dicks. And then we'll reference it on a podcast. And then people started making capes
0: of dicks. How and many so, are there now? There's like uh, three. Well, I, I have two. I have a I have a cape, uh, and I have a cloak. They're actually quite beautiful. They're made out of uh, like beautiful red velvet, and then they're they're painted with like these gold dicks on them. And they're made by 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 a, a, a very beautiful young young woman. I who, hear a workshop item coming. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, okay. uh, they are they are made by this very beautiful young woman who is a burlesque dancer, and uh, she does a burlesque she does the Whedon esque burlesque show, oh. and uh, she does a whole dance that is centered around my career.
1: Uh, wow. she starts out as
0: Wesley Crusher and then and then she has this big eye, she showed me a picture of it, it's amazing. She has this huge, like she turns into a phoenix and then the phoenix thing collapses around her and then it's like me with the beard and the clown sweater.
2: But I, but I think it's really interesting to, you know, particularly when you try so hard to become, be a part of the community, but then so what I'm happens... Back to that. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> I'm sorry. Was, That's how we roll on the podcast. Good transition. It's like 10 minutes of dick yeah. jokes and then like, no, but seriously. But really. Let's talk about feelings. This yeah. is a great use of your time, Kate. Thank you. <laughs> no one else has talked to him about dick capes today at all. I guarantee <laughs> you this is the most fun part of the day, is talking about dick capes with Will Wheaton. Yep. But... Um,
3: that should be your podcast. Dick, dick capes, capes with Will Wil Wheaton. Wheaton.
4: <laughs> okay. But, you know... You can make leather out of four
0: skins.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely (laughs) true. Well,
4: the
0: one of the ones that got sent to me... That's why I've made a lot of little leather outfits for action
2: figures. (laughs) One of the ones that got sent to me, this girl was like, I handcrafted each one. And, like, every penis is a slightly different color and a slightly different shape and a slightly different... um, I've seen that cape. It's very heavy. It's beautiful. Yeah, um, we had
6: the same sort of, we had a similar thing happen where we created, in our case, a, a weapon in the game that's a glass of urine, <laughs> uh, and you throw it at people. And so of course, fans started making these and sending them to us. Uh, oh we, don't,
3: uh,
6: no! <laughs> we have <laughs> stacks of them downstairs.
3: We don't know what's
6: in them. No one's had it been game enough to try them yet. But this made us realize that Perhaps in the same way you guys might have realized with the dick capes, that you start realizing we should start like
0: putting apple pies and things, you know,
1: gold bars <laughs> yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Like our- you
0: should make a yeah. make a weapon that sh- that throws a, a, a an original <laughs> black border black lotus mask. On.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> but
2: I'm a, but you know particularly with a company that's so connected to its fans the way you are, do you feel like? Um, do your feelings get hurt sometimes? Like if people. Because sometimes, listen, we as consumers are spoiled now because we expect everything to be exactly the experience we want at all times, whenever we want it, and usually for free. And so when you spend so because much. Because
0: fuck you, that's why. Because fuck <laughs> you, that's why,
2: exactly. And so you guys spend so much time trying to perfect this experience for people and give them the best thing that you can possibly create. And then I'm sure you still get people who complain about things that you're like, really that's what your day is consumed with, this one thing? You know,
4: like it's all it's all it's all data, right? It's just grist for the mill. You know, it's like you know, you don't look at any individual piece, you look at the distribution and you know, it's it's always it, our job is a blast,
6: that, right? That, that's the fun bit. Like it really is like I've it, it, had to describe to me in a way that always made sense to me, which was if, if you're trying to make a game for one person, like I say, I decide to make a game for you. Yeah. That's not really hard. I can come and ask you a bunch of questions. Like I can find out exactly what you like, and I can go away and make a game, and I can keep bringing it back, and you and I can talk. I can make a game for you. It's not super challenging. But when you say I want to make or a game, or super profitable. Also, <laughs> also true. <laughs> one game. Depending 10 on how much money i <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Uh, but if you say he, uh, you know, if there's an experience. I've I personally enjoy, and I want to deliver to other people. And I say my goal was to have a million people or two million people enjoy that. That's a really fun challenge. It, it's it's the thing that is really fun to come back to, you know, because you you don't succeed at that the first time or the second time. You just it, it's it, you never really finish succeeding at. It. It's just a constant iterative, you know, decision making process. It's re, it's really fun. You come to work when you see people unhappy, then you immediately ask yourself, well, you know, how how can I make them happy without making other people less happy, and over time, make more and more people happy. Yeah. Also, I I
4: I suspect, um, like one of the things that that got me into the video game business was being scared. Being really, really scared in Doom. I don't really like to be scared. It was the fact that, you know, I haven't been scared as an adult, really, ever. Nothing really scary happens. There are no bears in (laughs) Bellevue. Uh, And so, to realize, at 2 o'clock in the morning, with the lights flickering off and... You know, having I don't know, the some random monster, uh, the caco demon jump out at me for the first time and I was like, Holy crap, I'm really scared. I don't really want to be scared, but the fact that you can do that makes the sense of accomplishment and success that much more meaningful that you you have this range of um, emotions that you're working with. And one of those reactions is you know Intense hatred <laughs> of, of something You know uh, At least they care At least Yeah At least they care It's uh, Having somebody tell you That that's the stupidest Fucking piece of shit They've ever seen Is A better reaction Than indifference Right at least they're they're spending the time to be passionate about it, and, and hopefully you know you'll do better by that person next time around.
6: And often, we, uh, you've had the, I'm sure the experience. A lot of times when you get those emails from people and they're really unhappy with something we've done, they don't actually expect us to reply. And you you know usually we reply and say, well, we're well, sorry. What you know, how can yeah. we do better next time? And often those people suddenly start giving us a bunch of really useful. Well, I'm sorry I wrote that email, (laughs) but since you wrote back, here's here's some things that did did bother me, and those have sort of been super useful in the past.
0: We have a we have a show on uh, uh, I do a show on the Geek and Sundry channel, and one of the other shows on Geek and Sundry is called Sword and Laser, and it's a like a literary sci-fi fantasy book kind of thing. It's Veronica Belmont and Tom Merritt, and. We were on a panel together and somebody asked Tom how do you deal with people being like really shitty on YouTube right which is sort of where like people like leave 4chan and go to YouTube and like, ah, I'm going to go back to 4chan. Uh, <laughs> 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 that was a bad neighborhood. I had no idea. It's like, wow, well, I can't believe I the window down. Oh my <laughs> God, honey, drive, 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 get, just, get, get out of here. Roll team. them up, kids. Um, so, one uh, uh, of the really great pieces of advice Tom, Tom gave uh, at that, that panel is he said, you know, if you can take out sort of like the heated language and take out kind of like the the like angry stuff, <laughs> the you, can, you can usually find Yeah. There's like a legitimate thing yeah. there, you know that that maybe comes down to this level was too hard, or I expected that to be, you know, I wanted to go into that, <coughs> like, whatever. Yeah.
4: Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. A lot of times the the amplitude of the signal is a function of the fact that they don't think that they're getting through. So as yeah. soon as they know that there's actually somebody listening on the other side. It makes it makes a huge difference. Plus, you know, it's the internet. So I've had this experience where I'm playing a game that I actually play pretty well at, and I'm playing anonymously on the internet and 10 seconds in, somebody will say, you know,
0: have you ever fucking played this game, you idiot, <laughs> <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> uninstall and we'll kill yourself. Yeah, yeah. So the world fame, have you right? had that moment that I've had where you find out how many 14-year-old boys your mother had sex with? <laughs> 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 like, my mother is a whore and a
3: pedophile. That's crazy. Well, that's I'm really such unfair. a badass. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm a fat little boy, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know. I had no so idea. So what
0: do you do? Are you ever... I've, how do you respond to that?
4: Uh, you, you know, you, you do just tune them out, or well, you just do what a gamer does, right? It's like, oh, fuck you.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
4: Player kill on. <laughs>
0: What would be the top link on Reddit?
4: <coughs> David said fuck you to me. Yeah.
5: Yeah.
4: Did, uh, no, I do have a ban hammer though, so that's what <laughs> I need to watch out for. Yeah, yeah. come back and remove the game off Steam. The-
2: <laughs> <laughs> no
0: one gets to play this.
3: So what Super new games-
0: Douche 81 is the reason you don't get to play this game anymore <laughs> on the internet. You ruined it for everybody. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Um, what new games would you recommend?
4: new games I'd recommend <laughs> stop playing Dota 2 <laughs> uh, I, I X-com. Am, XCOM everyone should play X-com, XCOM Yeah. I haven't played XCOM yet, yeah. I was an old XCOM
6: it is fantastic, I was old XCOM, new XCOM it's fantastic what else were you playing? Uh, well, I've, I've sort of finished that, started again um, <laughs>
4: <laughs> uh, I've are your Monster Hunter days behind you?
6: Uh, I haven't been playing it for a while I, need to, I mean I'm going to pick up the new one on Wii U <laughs> Yeah, Dishonored looks really good too. Dishonored, Yeah, everyone's done
5: Dark Souls.
6: Dirt- Dirt-
3: oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, have you guys seen Unfinished One yet? Have you seen stuff from that? It's a new mm-hmm. indie game. It's really cool. Yeah, I hope. yeah. Well, I would recommend it. Thank
5: you. The last
6: two weeks, like I, I have this like I try to play every game we ship on Steam, which used to be something I could do pretty easily. And sort of as the, it's ratcheted up, it's gotten harder. But. Uh, when something like XCOM comes along and I stop seeing everything that shipped during that entire period of time. And his children. I have to, like, and have to catch <laughs> up. Yeah.
5: <laughs>
2: how do you find time to, how do you, I've, one of my biggest challenges is just <clears throat> finding time to still be able to play stuff because I, I work so
4: much making things
1: yeah. that I'm well, so there was exhausted. Just,
4: Thing called crystal meth. Oh
5: my God, (laughs) that's
6: great! Oh my
2: God, I didn't
4: even. Magic. I thought that was just something the
2: kids were doing. You mean (laughs) we can do that too? Yes. You really need. You really need like the thirty-six hour day. To, yeah. be, to be able to get everything in... No, if
0: you had a 36-hour day, you just would make more... You would make more stuff. No, that's true. You have you have to make the time. You have to yeah, schedule I, That's very, very I finally true. took a vacation this year, and someone on the internet was like, a vacation from what? <laughs> <laughs> from you. you. I'm like, people
5: like,
2: like you. <laughs> ah, fuck, my vacation's over now. Yeah. <laughs>
4: when, when
3: Chris and I travel, sometimes we'll bring the Xbox with us so we can just sit and play games in the Well, hotel we room.
4: take the whole company on... You know, cruises and go to Hawaii, and always there's a whole bunch of game gear that travels. We're, we we <laughs> took the whole company on a cruise, and there, you know, the big sail at the back or the we projected big, we we retire, we project guitar, projected guitar. <laughs> we Awesome. We
1: have
6: to, like half the company like on deck chairs at the back <laughs> oh, of the cruise awesome. ship <laughs>
0: playing guitar here on this enormous. Well, that's that's
4: so great.
3: great. Yeah. So, <laughs> how much would a ticket cost for one of your, <laughs> your cruises?
0: Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about. Um, uh, I toured Valve today for the first time, uh-huh. and there's this common theme that I see throughout the entire building, through all of the employees, uh, um, is like you just keep making these amazing disruptive technologies. And uh, when Chris was up here before, I asked him to ask you about Steam on my behalf and uh, about the indie, how it's become this amazing equalizer for indie games. But like today, I saw the I saw the the Movie Maker for the first time. Mm-hmm. And uh and then I saw some stuff in, in your uh the R and D department that I don't know if I can talk about but blew my mind.
4: Mm-hmm. And, so this brush and stuff?
0: Yeah. The vortex. Yeah. I mean I was I was just like I was <coughs> I, I was floored. Mm-hmm. And um uh I So just you're sort of, saying I, why? How are we? well, able to well do this? no, I just I just wonder like do you do you think out like you know, you're doing stuff that's amazing now, but is going kind of <coughs> to fundamentally change things in, like, five years out, ten years out. Or do you think that far out? Do you think, like, okay, I'm planting this and it's going to be an oak tree then? Or is it just, like, this is a cool thing, let's well, see what people do with it? So,
4: you know, you, you try to have in your head kind of a map of where there's opportunity to do interesting stuff. And uh, you get to the point where you've had enough success that you can target... Further downstream, you can make longer-term bets, but while you're headed in that direction, the sooner you can sort of start getting stuff into real people's hands, so you can start finding out where all of your sort of fairy tale castles in the sky ideas go wrong, the, the better off you'll be. So, you know, it's it's a com- it's it's a combination of of those things. You know, it's like, you know, the more the more bets that have paid off, and there have been a bunch that haven't, you know, power play is the internal sort of touchstone for uh, a dumb stillborn uh, idea, um, you know, but if you have some successes, then you can sort of, you know, aim further down the road. Abrash is about as, Abrash's project is about as far down the, you know, the road we where we're, we're aiming. But uh, you also the, the thing that lets us do that with some degree of confidence is the is the fact that we get so much feedback all the time, right? So you can view the like amount, how far you're aiming, and how long until you get feedback as you know two ends the the teeter totter. And if you're doing stuff that allows you to you know get the just the sheer amount of data back from your community, then you can you know one it looks like you're really smart when you're really just depending on. The, the responsiveness of the community to what you're doing to help you avoid doing spectacularly stupid things. Uh, and then the fact that you are pretty confident that you're not going to screw up in the short term means that you can do things that are riskier, you know, with with, with the knowledge that 90% of them are going to fail, but 10% of them are going to turn out to be uh, super useful. So, you know, it's just part of the design of the company. I think uh,
6: there's another aspect, too, which is we try to use our... You know, previous works as tools to help us, you know, reduce risk from our future future things. Uh, you know, there were things we thought we might want to do in in Dota long before we even announced uh, in Dota Two. This is before we announced the product. Uh, And we were able to look at the existing products like Team Fortress 2 and do things in those products that were largely about gathering data so that when we did them in Dota, we would know whether we should do them in Dota. And if we do do them in Dota, what are the characteristics? What are the things we should do? What are the pitfalls
4: we should avoid? So so a lot of the things things that got shipped as updates in TF2 were to answer questions that we were having about what Dota 2 should be. So, you know, it's rather than saying, oh, let's wait three years to find out whether or not you know which of, which, of, which of our ideas were good ideas and which of them are bad ideas. We can test them uh, a lot sooner and, and prune out the bad ones a lot faster.
2: So where are you seeing everything going in terms of? I mean, what is it that you that you that you can publicly say that you're sort of banking on? Is it? I mean, at this point, you know, how much better can graphics get? Is it? Is it more hardware driven? Is it more like augmented
4: reality? Uh, is it? Well, more- I mean, the the stuff that that. Um, Well, there there are a couple of uh, sort of big things. We think that right now you have these islands of entertainment and that they're going to actually sort of combine together to create this overall uh, uh, virtual goods and services platform. And so people will actually be creating real economic value by engaging with these games, right? So, So these early experiments where... People where gamers are making hundreds of thousands of dollars building assets for other people, that, that that's going to be a lot more fine grade. The ways that you create valuable experiences for other people, you can just like not be a dick in a multiplayer game, and that's creating some level of value. But there'll be lots of <laughs> other ways uh, that you can uh, to do. You'll be able to do that. You know, uh, like stores. Right now, the store in Steam is a super privileged, special piece of content, which totally goes against how we think about you know, how we should be designing things. Anybody should be able to create a store that, you know, that a lot, you know, like the games I own should automatically generate a view so that other people can buy games through me, right? So if you put up your list of games, people can buy games through you, and you, you know, you get part of that revenue stream, right? So even something like a store, which is not ordinarily thought of as a piece of content, nobody says, oh, it's a hat, I might want to change it. You know, a store is this, the way I think of our store right now is like the world's most boring point-and-click adventure game from the nineteen from 1986, right? It's just a terrible, boring piece of content. And some people will have the penis cape-centric store, and sure. other people will, you know, have uh, quests that you go on to, you know, cr- create affinity around future purchases. You know, that's that's the the, the direction and. If I do something in Skyrim, it will give me benefits in, you know, uh, Call of Duty. That's how we see stuff evolving. Um, I think that fairly quickly we'll start to see really, that those economies will be really large, like, you know, 10 billion, 50 billion. It'll be bigger than a lot of countries. Uh, and then the how far out it goes, that that I don't know. But for a lot of people sort of living in this kind of, Uh, digital goods and services economy will make more sense to a lot of people than what have traditionally looked like jobs. I think that organization in these worlds will be done pretty dynamically. Um, I think we are looking at AR happening and I think we're looking at Really, science fictiony stuff happening sooner than people expect, in the sense that we're going to be able to drive your nervous system and read out of your nervous system sooner than uh, people expect, and it'll be a, a consumer-grade technology sooner than people expect. So we're, you know, that's weird, right? It's like. Um, But it's also starting to become a really tractable problem. So if you look at, there's this woman right now, a professor in Cornell, and she's essentially decoding the the messaging layer between your retina and your brain. So there's this really hard problem, how do you make an artificial eye? But she's like, okay, let's just skip that and just see how I can talk to your brain as if I'm an eye. Mm -hmm. And it's a much simpler messaging protocol essentially so if you just hook in there you can just tell the brain this is what you're seeing and The computational load to generate those things is way less than the computational load to generate All of the pixels that the front part of your eye is seeing and you look at that and she's doing it because she wants to help people You know who through trauma or or genetics can't see and you know We look at it and say wow that looks a lot simpler than you know some of the, you know, certainly easier than ray tracing, right, in terms of (laughs) generating the the data to, you know, and you look at that and you say, you know, and and you look at it and you say, well, that's kind of a, a, it's almost an engineering problem now. And then you sort of say, but wow, that sounds, you know, like, you know, golden age science fiction. And, you know, it's, it's coming faster, you know, than I certainly would have thought five years ago. Wow.
0: How do you track this stuff down? How do you find these things? Because these are things that like, clearly have implications for the gaming world. Uh, is it like, do you read science papers or? Yeah, or well, I mean,
4: the nice thing about working at Valve is people uh, flag stuff, right? There's, I mean, everybody here has got the ability to consume huge amounts of information, and people also understand that every once in a while they're gonna come across something that has significance to a lot of other people. Uh, And sometimes something will just come in totally out of left field, and you'll say, why is this person sending this around? And usually those are the really interesting ones, because then you go and ask this person, why did you think this article on raising goats under the Arctic cap had any relevance at all to any of the... And then they tell you, and you go, oh, it changes everything. So... Uh, mainly, it's people here are, are signaling it to other people.
2: Uh, but you also you also again going back to you know I don't want to I'm not going to steer the conversation to the corporate structure again. But again, because you have that kind of a system where that feels like the company sort of operates like its own little intranet in that way. Like it's a little it's you you have the freedom to send stuff to you mm-hmm. and it doesn't have to go through ten layers of people like oh Gabe's busy right now. Like people actually have access to each other to keep the system you know clean and moving and freeform.
4: And also, uh, given the fact that nobody sort of thinks about what are the boundaries around things, like we don't have a corporate structure or very explicit roles. Yeah, that was my immediate reaction to you saying that. I'm like, well, what else would you do? it?
6: I'm <laughs> like, <laughs> mean, of course I can email everyone in the company. Right? Like, there's an email, at least it has everyone in the company
4: on it. I just send it to that. Yeah. Uh, you, uh, you tend to, there's this strange thing going on, which is, in some ways, more interesting stuff. You guys are familiar with the maker community, yeah, and, and they're they're like uh, an inch deep and a mile wide, and it lets them build stuff that can't be built by anybody who isn't sort of. It, it, it's like, it's like, the R and D department at. General Motors is falling behind what some guy in the garage can, because the guy in the garage has found the most important tool, which is being connected to all of the possibilities, and each of the individual technologies are evolving so fast that you can be almost a a home shop user of some technology, and that gives you a superpower compared to, you know, some deep dive person who is still using, you know, it's like a rapid prototyper is like this magic bullet, and you can solve all sorts of problems, like uh, you know, I've got a CNC in my garage, and all of a sudden, I help artists in our neighborhood solve problems that they couldn't have. You know, it's like you have the right tool, and just having being connected to all of those possible tools enables a lot of stuff. You know, it's like uh, like gene sequencing is going to go from, you know, a, a billion dollar per person per genome kind of problem to hey, I've, you know, licked this, you know, kind of thing. (laughs) And somebody in the garage is going to say, some chef somewhere who happens to have access to one of those things is going to start building food that tastes better to you because they've just taken the time to read a paper on how your taste buds are affected by that. Oh, and I also tasted a Google ad in there, too. (laughs) So it it seems like that ability to forge connections... uh, is more important right now than doing the same thing over and over and over, you know, uh, again and again. So, uh you can connect that back to
6: the what we talked about earlier about the idea that our mod community in aggregate, or the gaming community in aggregate, is much smarter than any all of us here, and you know, the maker community is sort of a, you know, an equip. They- they're beating the, the experts at somewhere, you know, general Motors yeah. or whatever, well, yeah, they have the, the mass hive mind all attacking the problem.
2: I, I went, I saw, um, Brie Pettis showed me like the MakerBot a few years ago, and it, uh, it, was, it printed all, it re- printed okay, but just because they have this open source community with people uploading schematics all the time, and you know, like now they have the replicator too, and before like it would print stuff out, and there would always be a little bit of a seam issue, or like the, the plastic would kind of spill over, and they handed me a perfectly printed Sonic screwdriver that was so gorgeous, like you couldn't see the seam on it. And, and just in a couple of years, they they have evolved so fast because of their
4: because their community is just communicates well. Yeah. yeah, and those guys are also the people there are starting to pick interesting problems. So one of the things I saw recently was somebody was building uh, like a, a four hundred dollar uh, pick and place machine to replace a seventy thousand dollar commercial machine, and. Uh, I I was like trying to understand why it was an interesting problem to solve and I was like oh I totally get it what you're doing is making it possible to do low volume totally custom uh, uh, PCB placement right so you have an idea and you only want to make a thousand of them this is the thing you need this is the missing piece so that you can go off and make a thousand of them and yeah if you were Texas Instruments or Motorola, you could make 10 million of them, but this person will iterate and have 14 different versions of it before, you know, TI or Motorola would ever do their first one. And so their ability to respond to technological changes, incorporate them into their process and evolve the products they're building, is just, you know, orders of magnitude faster than how the traditional organizations are going to respond. But this isn't about Ricochet 2, which is what you really wanted to
5: talk about.
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I, I, I do... Let me ask
4: a broader question, which oh is... Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> the future of the yeah. post- internet, post-industrial <laughs> economy? Okay. No, The world has ended.
0: <laughs>
2: we, uh, we have strands of genes that are being sent to other planets, and hopefully will evolve in the way only in vats of
0: semi-warm <laughs> liquid does life now exist
2: well this is this important because we were just talking about like oh when we're on the road we always you know we travel with our xboxes and obviously that's cumbersome and a pain in the ass and if we just want carry-on that can be that can be challenging so how far do you think we are from merging the mobile uh, platforms from like how soon will I be able to be on my iPhone or iPad or what my tablet device or whatever it is or, or Galaxy or whatever and and like oh I'm playing the game of Dishonored I was playing at home or I'm playing Portal that I was playing at home and it just
4: sort of picks up rather than oh uh, that's uh, that's more uh, I mean you'll be able to uh, you'll be able to do that with Steam on an RT t- on a uh, Windows Surface tablet, so, but I'm, I'm not really sure that that's what you're saying. So the problem that we're trying to tackle is we thought the distinction between living room and and, the, and PCs was artificial, and that's why we did 10 foot, and that's why we're putting 10 foot in our games onto Linux is because we don't think that there's any reason why these are islands. We don't think you have a different set of friends when you go into your living room. You know, if you have all your music on iTunes. I don't understand why you know an Xbox or a PlayStation is going to make you buy them all over again, right? Uh, or buy your games again. And so we think that you can extend the PC totally uh, uh, to be in the living room. I think that then the question is: Is mobile inherently something that's completely separate? And it certainly isn't, for, shouldn't be, from a customer's perspective. So that's an area where why doesn't my game experience continue whether I'm mobile in the living room, at work, or on an airplane? I think it's it, it, it's not because it isn't technically feasible and it's not because it isn't the right thing to do. It's because the people who control mobile right now, Apple, have zero interest in interoperating well with you know, the, the people who currently are controlling the living room and they are completely interested in creating the silo separate from what sure. you're doing on your laptop or on your desktop. But the technological reasons and the customer or content developer centric reasons are all pushing in the in the direction you described. Okay, so now we can see two
3: primarily if you play your games on your laptop then you can take your laptop anywhere and play your game. No,
2: that's 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 very true. That's very true.
3: You know, uh, but I
0: love the idea of being able to to be playing a game on my desktop machine and then I go to work and I'm between scenes on the set and I take my phone or my tablet out and I just load the level that I was just on. Right. And and go, you know, and I'm and then I'm in the same place. There's I, nothing well, keeping that from happening. Yeah, the technology
3: already exists. There's cloud storage for Xbox. It just comes down to integrating everything together and
4: not every company wants to
3: play with Exactly, whatever.
4: yeah. So maybe
0: Steam tablet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
4: There's no well, there's no reason why PC games and PC game Services don't run well on a mobile device. Yeah. there's no reason that all of the things that we like about the internet have to be given up when we go onto somebody's platform where they, you know, where they want to make it hard for their competitors to, you know. I, I get am driven crazy every time I update my iPad and my Kindle app disappears and my Dropbox app disappears. And so the sooner those kinds of applications just move to you know, living inside the browser or we get somebody in the tablet space who's not gonna play those sorts of games, uh, the better. <laughs> well, some of the consumers,
2: that's some of the consumer responsibility as well because if someone does release that sort of a tablet, people have to adopt it so that it becomes you know, viable for that company to keep making it rather than like, I already
0: got the iPad. You know. That's why I have a Nexus 7.
2: Oh, the Nexus 7 is great. It's fantastic. I would love to see some data on that rather than just the Wi-Fi But uh, Other than that, it's, it's good. Well, you tether it to your phone? Did you have... Uh, oh, I should do that. Uh, did, you, did you have game-specific questions that you wanted to ask? The Half-Life 3 thing has already been asked. It's not, it really it's not mean. It's not going to get answered. Has it really? Well, okay. I, listen, I, I invite you to take your best shot. You can see his arms are crossed. He's a very defensive body posture right now. He's prepared.
0: <laughs> oh, and he gave me the stink eye. Now <laughs> he has to double the birds. Right.
5: <laughs>
2: you got double, you got
0: double right. up and down birds.
4: I did. Yeah. I did. All right, <laughs>
0: ask the answer. One um, of the things that I really love about...
4: Star Trek The Next Generation reunion.
0: Oh. <laughs> when is that going to happen, Mr. Wheaton? What about Next Generation? Just The Next Gen reunion episode. Ah. <laughs> oh. I'll tell you who the hang-up on that is. It's Brent Spiner. <laughs> oh, Brent's Oscar. like, Brent's like, I look too old. He's to play also the Day reason Half-Life 3 hasn't shown. <laughs> <laughs> it is Brent
2: Spiner's fault that Half-Life 3 hasn't shit. What's gonna happen is now Brent's gonna go all these cons and all the people before
0: like, I love you, you're gonna come like fuck you in the face, Brent Spiner. Like, what did I do? Um, I'm hoping that they reboot next generation and that I get to play Riker. <laughs> 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 that would please me tremendously. And Simon Pegg is Picard. You've got the beard. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, one of the things that I absolutely <laughs> love about uh, the, the, the Valve games that I've played, I mean, like going all the way back to, uh, to Counter-Strike, um, is uh, there's a lot of the games have... There's, there's, there's a story to each game, even if it's not a real story-centric yep. game. And... I think it's most it's most powerful for me in Portal 2. I played Portal yep. 2 five or six times, and around the fourth playthrough, it was kind of like I had immersed myself in the language enough that I started seeing things I'd never <clears throat> seen before and there's this amazing story in that game that was really that like really like got to me mm-hmm. um, and uh, so I see that also in the like the characters that you do for TF2, uh, all the characters in Left for Dead. Mm. Um, I love that like they're not especially heroic. They're just kind <laughs> of like those are real people that are just in a shitty situation. And um, would you just would you talk a bit about the creative process for for storytelling in games where you know you're not building? I, I don't feel like it's a narrative arc in a game. I Feel like mm-hmm. it's you know that that it's just. Uh, But it's something that I that I enjoy.
4: Well, it's it's also something that's, you know uh, very much a work in process in progress for the entire industry, you know You can see the learning process that we've been through when you go back and look at how the character the you know You can look at a character that we build now versus something that we designed, you know a decade ago and and see uh, you can see how The environment is playing more and more of a role, or we're pushing harder to make sure that that investigating and exploring the world uh, has its own set of rewards and significance. And you know, uh, you know, we just you know that's one of the things we just I agree. Portal 2 is the best game uh, that we've done in that in that dimension, and you know, it certainly was. you know, captured a lot of what we've learned since Half-Life 1. Uh, you know, but, you know, and it's also just sort of across the board, you know, the art direction, you know, just traditional art direction gets better and that that pushes the writers, which, you know, pushes the designers. Uh, and we have, you know, plenty of examples uh, to, to to point to, you know, that sort of make us think, you know, Bioshock was good at, at pushing us and making us think about a set of issues. Uh, me personally, I always go back to Mario sixty four as being <laughs> a really important game in my education about what the what the opportunities are. Um, you know, we think we're, re- we're, we're, we're the entire industry is really at the beginning of of, of what's possible. Um, the key thing, which I'm sort of curious about your reaction because you you have experience on the other side of the fence, is that our fundamental advantage is that the, uh, even though they're they're not paying attention to the script and they're kind of obsessed with corners and shotguns, that the lead actor, uh, being that lead actor, being the 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 center of agency in the experience, just gives us this huge advantage in terms of the significance of of, of everything that happens, and that, we always try to play to that, which is. You know, you are the the you the player are the are the lead in this, and uh, you know that 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 that's just gives us a get out of jail free card a lot of times in terms of um, amplifying you know your subjective experience of the of the of the plot or reactions to what happens when Alex's dad dies and,
0: and things like that. I remember when I played uh, I was playing uh, Dragon Age Two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, sorry, Dragon Age Origins, and my wife was out of town and uh, i do this thing every december i watch the lord of the rings trilogy and uh, i can't really get her to sit down and invest 9 hours with me to to do that which is kind of weird i don't understand why she doesn't want to do that but uh <laughs> get out of i that was but, of I, but, I, but, I, <laughs> <laughs> but i was in the Full middle choices. i was i was i was i was near the end i was in the third act of that game and instead of watching lord of the rings where i know what's going to happen and i'm in, and i'm a passive observer I spent the same amount of time playing Dragon Age instead because I felt like I can control this. I I have I can move this along in a way that is really pleasing to me. I feel that way about the Uncharted games. I mean, those mm-hmm. games are so on rails, right. but it doesn't really bother me because I feel like I control the pace of it, and uh, I like being able to stop and look around at things. How and how
4: did you think about your relationship with Gladys in the second game? Like, did you actually
0: feel like? You were having a relationship with this person, or did it feel? I I really felt like I had a relationship with her because I didn't know how much I could trust her, mm-hmm. and I when she realizes that she's Caroline, and and I thought, oh my god, redemption for her, mm-hmm. and and then when she's <laughs> like, deleted. actually, I deleted it. <laughs> uh, it was like, I wasn't expecting that at all, and and I went on this very emotional. Uh, journey with her. Mm-hmm. Um, not the first time I played it through. The first time I played it through, I was really focused on the puzzles and 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 just sort I got of something like right and, away. and just like it just kept like uh, I, I didn't expect it to be like what you guys did with Portal Two. Like you could have made Portal Two a five-hour game, and everyone would have been like, "Yeah, I got to play more Portal." And you 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 completely surprised me and and went so far beyond what what I think anybody expected and 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 that was so it just like it kept going and there
4: how was did, more and more and more how do you feel um, through the aria and then realizing that she was kicking you out
0: do you do you remember how you felt through that
3: oh god that broke my heart
0: yeah oh my god my when i get up when i got yeah at the at the end um i had this okay so i had this like emotional attachment to to testing mm-hmm. and uh, and it felt very comfortable to me I was used to that environment mm-hmm. and I liked being inside aperture and and uh, at, as I'm riding up the Scary. going up going up the elevator and I'm and I'm I kind of expected her to kill me mm-hmm. and uh, then actually just being sort of thrust out onto the surface, was so much worse.
3: I know it it's, was so it's like a disappointing much worse. mother because then it's just the world's yeah. like, "Well, what's the world? Like, what, I don't yeah. know what the world? What? Like, is.
0: There's, <laughs> there's no place for me to do testing here." And I and I yeah, and I really on I, the one hand,
4: you're sort of being worshiped by these turrets, right? Right? Yeah. And it was it was we were putting in this sort of complicated narcissistic experience where on the one hand, uh, uh She's given up trying to kill you, yeah. right? You're basically fucking impossible to kill, yeah. <laughs> and she's like, "I just have to get rid of you now. I'm tired of trying to kill you. It always goes wrong." So on yeah. the one hand, she's respecting your talents, and then you have all these turrets, and it's it's set up like they're worshiping you, right? Yeah. And then you get up on the surface, and she kicks you out. So yeah. you're being rejected, but you're being rejected because you're powerful, and it's it's this you know, it's one of those things where you're trying to create a really complicated choice about how people are going to react. They're yeah. All, We're not telling you how to react at that point. We're giving you five or six different ways to respond. Mm -hmm. So you're still, even at the end, having... You get to make... You get to decide. There's there's no ham-handed way. We're saying... You get to, you get to, still get to have a choice about well, this like emotional was, resolution, and that was, was the I, thing where we were hoping that, I, that it worked. That's yeah, why, that's was, why you immediately go back and play
0: Portal Two again when you finish because you're like, oh fuck, I don't want to be in the world, and you yeah, immediately yeah, go. Yeah, that yeah, was yeah, very yeah, much how it, was. it was. I was like, in, when I'm inside, when I'm when I'm inside the testing facility, there's like nothing I can't do, and and it's like I've got all these great toys, and and I can do all this stuff, and. Like, out in the world, I'm just, another, I'm just another stupid person, like, who cares?
4: We're trying to cue you to sort of both grandiosity and rejection simultaneously. Mission accomplished. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then just leaving it to you about yeah. where, where you take that. Yeah. So, um, but that's that's just sort of like, for us, that's, that's what we were able to do with that project. We hope, you know, I think we learned, what would you say are some of the big things we learned out of that? Um, my my role on it was the
5: relating to the storytelling stuff that we're talking about. Um, um, our designers designers have historically had a lot of uh, leeway to um, to add in that world story and uh-huh. um, to like to fill in the gaps and the little little side stories that help you understand the space you're in. Um, those are rarely written by our writers. Those almost always come out of the team. Um, Portal Two for me was the most satisfying project I've been in because it felt like it was, as a company, as a team, um, everyone contributed quite a lot of their own understanding what Aperture was and what Portal was about and um, it was a, a really distributed uh, storytelling effort. Everybody really felt a deep connection to Aperture and a deep connection to GLaDOS and, Wheatley. and um, I'm not answering your question at all. No, but I think it's interesting,
4: um, right? It's like when you ordinarily hear about, like, a a film, it's all about one unique atomic vision of this. Right, And the fact that you're describing it as, you know, the thing that made it special, which I agree, was that everybody was pouring... Stuff into it, and it, right. it, it, it. I think it shows up. And we could only
6: do that because, to some extent, because it was the second. Right. Yeah. Portal. Everyone understood Portal One. It was like that was the, the vision statement mm. in a lot of cases. Ways you could think of that that allowed the entire
4: team to sort of have a full understanding we, of the. We definitely didn't the understand where. It, yeah, but nobody here would say I have a vision. For no, not Like we if you did that, do. everybody would be like, "What the fuck?" Is wrong <laughs> the the <laughs> he said to me,
5: what... Well, and like, we didn't really know where it needed to go exactly until yeah. pretty late, but we all had a, a deep understanding of the space. Yeah. And. But it's basically like
2: you know you have, a, you have a you have a you have a world where, the main character, doesn't emotionally react to anything because you're the main character, so you will react to everything. There's Wheatley who has basically one articulating function, and then Glados who has no articulating functions and really all of her emotion comes through auto-tune, <laughs> and, you know, like, and and you're so captivated that it, it's like, you know, that's just, that's storytelling. That's all, that, like, why, have you, have you guys ever thought about, well, I mean, this is a dumb question, of course you've thought about it, but what, you know, like, like turning these, these I, these things into film, or have you thought about creating film, like like Valve Film, or any any sort of? Or oh, yeah, do you we're just, we're working on a,
4: a, a, a like a fifteen minute piece right now. Really? Yeah. So it's a TF two so. piece. That's awesome. <laughs> Is
3: it real life or no? Yeah. No,
4: no. It's it's like uh, it's the same. It's using Source Filmmaker. But
2: right. if someone yeah. if someone came uh,
3: to in yeah, and said we want somebody... to see a
4: little bit of it, it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so we did a we had plans to do a ninety minute version of it, and the team sort of. They were. They're like, yeah, we want to go do this, and then they crumpled. they were like, oh fuck, this is way harder than we thought. <laughs> yeah. And now they're like, okay, we'll do something shorter. It takes
0: three months to make a movie, yeah. <laughs>
4: and uh, you know, it's it's part of this uh, trying to figure. It's it's you know, you see us investing in all these cross media stuff because we, we you know it's like what is what is the. You know what is the opportunity? What is people's relationships with the thing that, that they're fans of? We know that participation and co-creation. You know the dance part of it is part of it, but we also think, you know, you can't just create this just because of accidents of production technology. People's passion for something. You know, it's like, hey, we can put you know, uh, twenty-four bitmap images per second onto a you know piece of celluloid is a, a weird. Way to answer people's enthusiasm for an experience or, or, or a franchise, right? So, you know, trying to do a feature-length film, which we've, you know, which we've currently failed at, or tried to do a shorter piece, which we're really excited about. In the in this TFT universe, is is to us feels like the right thing to, 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 to try right now. In comics, you know, you know, I'm pretty surprised when I look at, you know, if you look at the accumulated comics that we've created, it's, you know, it's a lot, and there's some, you know, pretty great comic work there and thinking about how to integrate that so that it's part of it makes it a better overall experience for our fans is is, is, is really exciting so yeah we're always open to, to trying stuff like that
3: so Hollywood has Hollywood approached you with ideas like about Left for Dead or anything they,
4: they, they have uh, and part of the reason we started Swords Filmmaker was that the ideas were so terrible right? <laughs> uh, Yeah, I mean you, you know they didn't have that sort of They didn't understand why people were fans of the things that we had, and so they weren't capturing it. They were just picking some detail and... Be, that sort of jumped out at them without ever actually being enthusiastic or passionate about it and then saying well we'll do this and there really were people who came to us with proposals of okay imagine this it's Half-Life 1 and there are horses and it's a cavalry charge and it's like high tech carbon armor on the horses and we're like what the fuck are you about? have you even played this
3: Well, what if a fan were to approach you with something that was a legitimate idea or a script or something like that would you guys be willing to work with them
4: to- we tell well, we tell them is go and build it right I mean that's how that's how Team Fortress started right that's how Counter-Strike started Mm -hmm. Uh, that's how Dota started all of these things really were initiated by people who are passionate about you know this experience and understood what it you know how 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 it should evolve so we didn't encourage them you know to take a shot at it themselves Uh, I don't think there's you know, we're we're happy for people to talk to us about it, but we're even happier when people take the initiative and and, and do it. You know, and a, see how far they can push. That's a scary prospect, though. Like, cause I just think about the idea of like, oh well, I love Portal Two, but
2: let's make a Portal Two movie. And then I think, yeah, but everyone, like you said before, has such a personal, emotional experience right. to yeah. that property that. There's, mm-hmm. there's, no, I don't know if there's. any I way you could do movies, it, and, and everyone really would be happy with it. Everyone be. Yeah. And
3: Chell doesn't speak. You know, it's right. like, it'd there's be really some, difficult. Some great Portal yeah, two fan movies, two movies out out
2: there. there cool. are, oh, I've seen a bunch. True. Yeah, yeah. A, 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 amazing. Like the special effects, like the special
3: effects. But stuff. to create the main character, you know, to be somebody, you have to create a character to have a movie. You know, it can, sure. You know, so I guess yeah. it would be more. The thing that we
4: say is, you know the you know we fertilized the ground <laughs> it makes shit all over everything.
5: Damn. there's there's
4: there's stuff to draw on you know and uh you know it creates a context it creates significance and those are tools to people in the community to to build on you know i don't want to seem like i'm being standoffish on this idea i just want you know we're really pretty excited when we see people building stuff uh and recognizing that the opportunity is theirs, not just ours there's not something magic about being involved Cla- Chloe well, actually cosplayed that is, that uh, I, Chloe made a cosplay uh, as <laughs> Gladys I, <of>, uh, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I
3: love <laughs> my I love her character so much she's one of my favorite characters uh-huh. she's so incredibly written one of the most likable villains you will ever meet and she's a robot it's just <laughs> I I don't know I guess I had some sort of weird attachment to her like my experience with her I don't know if this says anything but she kind of was like a mom to me. Like, she was... She was sort of... Well, I think that's
2: why people... So yeah, I, but this from... but sure. she
3: just so much like my actual well, mother. because <laughs> mother was out It was <laughs> like, it was... <laughs> I know it sounds <laughs> fucked up, yeah. but she wasn't yeah. trying to kill me, but it was no, a real...
2: Will, Will's mom was now fucking 14-year-old boys, and she wasn't raising him, like oh, that person sweet.
3: on the Jesus. internet
0: said. Yeah, yeah We should so. hook
3: our moms up. I mean, my yeah. mom wasn't fucking
0: 14-year-old. <laughs> you know. Well, I mean, it's it's only recently that my mom started doing that. Only <laughs> uh, Probably since, probably only since Halo 2 came
3: out. It was
0: nice of the gaming community to point that out to you, Yeah. You, that's something you'd want
3: to know.
2: Yeah, um, did you did you did you have a patent question?
3: A patent? Oh yeah. Well, I heard that uh, Valve may have filed patent in regards to a controller. Uh, we probably
4: have. You probably have. <laughs> well, we it's are, f- we are fairly
3: We're working recent. on controllers. Um, can, if can this you is talk a weird about way to ask, yeah. sure.
4: Um, yeah, we're working on a bunch of controllers. Uh,
3: I I actually got to feel one of them, and they're pretty amazing. They're.
4: Yeah, we. So the, the theory is okay. There are a couple of theories. So it's like um, the P- PC ecosystem sort of stopped evolving at a certain point, and you know you can argue about why that was. But our view is that given the success we've had, we need to start trying to uh, be interestingly innovative, and that the opportunity has to go up and down the stack. Right. In other words. You know, if you look at uh, the iPad or if you look at uh, the Wii, the, 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 our analysis of why they were successful is they were thinking about the overall experience top to bottom. You know, they were thinking of drivers, they were thinking of operating system issues, they were thinking of what the game or the application was, what the input was, what the output was. Uh, and for a long time, you haven't had to worry about it. Like y- you didn't sit at Valve and say, "Well, what happens if they have this kind of display adapter?" Right? It didn't fundamentally change the what Portal Two uh, was going to be. And at this point, we think, okay, that all of the margin, all of the profitability, has been stolen out of you know, you know, Dell has terrible margins, and and Razer has terrible margins. And we're super profitable, so we need to start taking some of that and feeding it back into more speculative investments like, you know, Abrash's Vortex project or the controllers. So the specific, so that's sort of the big-picture version of it. So we say, okay, we should, in theory, be able to do stuff that's clever. So the the, the controller part of it is to... Uh, try to give you sort of the the control and preciseness that you're used to with a mouse and a keyboard except do it in a in a mobile friendly living room friendly kind of way
3: well what I loved about the controller is it didn't strike me as gimmicky as a lot of the other companies have been. you know they've been making a lot of they copy each other a lot and what I loved about the controller is that it focused on uh, making the experience of gameplay Better and mm-hmm. more refined, rather than oh look, I can dance up and down with this little tiger dude. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it.
0: Yeah. Hey, dancing tiger, fun dancing time, ti- happy <laughs> team is a great game. I mean, I you know
2: I, I feel like it's so funny because I you know we're just gushing so much about you guys that people are be like this is just a big commercial for Valve. But it, but it really you know I I think because we spend we throw so much of our emotion into a game when we when we play it. We just, you know, we we all have individual experiences where we connect. I think it just says a lot about the stuff that you guys are making. Is that it? It's more than you know. It's more than just like Galaga or, or just like a game where you go, oh, "I finished all those missions." Where like it's it's an emotional experience.
3: It's it seems like you guys are focused on you know who loves you, you know, and you're you're making things for that people. To
0: reference or is it cool again? Uh, I got it, and that's all that matters. <laughs>
3: Galaga.
0: Care. My grandparents used to play. I used that. to
3: play Galaga, and like, what? On, on back. Your <laughs> my throwback emulator. You have a little joystick uh, you plug into your TV, right? I my
4: ROM emulator. I could play any yeah. of the old uh,
3: mm-hmm.
4: arcade games. Well, uh, I mean, I think that if what I what I hope is that this notion that we sort of have of you know being part of the community and. That what people are reacting to is is that we're actually doing that, and that that will point other collectives in that direction, right? Uh, you know, there's what they're trying to say is you know long after Valve is the answer to a trivia question, that that was you know a step in the in the right direction, right? Uh, that we represented a positive step towards you know more of this community-centric post internet way of, of thinking about how stuff like entertainment experiences get created so uh, you know that's that's why I think people get pretty excited is it's not just about our individual games it's like I think that we sort of look like something that's pointing into the future and people are saying if you know we would like more of that whether it's valve or the next group of people who, who sort of capture that that sort of you know collaborative, you know, open. You know, we're nerds too. You know, there's not some gulf between us and the the victims right. who we attempt to extract dollars from. It's like, hey, we're we're just like you. That that uh, they're sort of trying to say, sig- send a signal out. Yes, this is the right way. That this is what we want, collectively, the world to look more like and and less like. You know, pick your your favorite thing, thing to hit with a stick.
5: Our games are meant to be uh creative platforms for our customers to participate in and create in, just the same as as we do it's meant to be a like we think of them as ongoing collaborative experiences so essentially Not everyone is a part a, of valve right yeah,
6: yeah. i think yeah. it comes from you know it's somewhat cliche but we were that's what we came from right yep. i mean dave and i both right. of us and you can walk these holes and you'll find you know a huge number of people here who all came from hacking modding backgrounds <laughs> Uh, and you know, to some extent, you know, we feel like we're building systems that we just we just wish they were there when we started, right? Mm-hmm. The idea, like when I started making mods, the idea that you could turn a mod into a real job at all was a completely bizarre well, concept, conception, right? Yeah, like, yeah, no one had done that, right? The idea that you could be making a thing uh, for free and releasing online, and that one day you might get a job for that was crazy. Now we you know we went way past that into now you know. You Minecrafts and so on, right? When it's well past making a job, now you can get, you know, make a whole bunch of money off it too. Uh, I feel like we're just, you know, when I look at the groups that I've worked with here, and I've seen what made that group excited, it wasn't that, oh my God, TF2 sold a lot of copies or anything. It was, wow, this one person who made an awesome hat in TF2 we loved, he just made a lot of money. That's That was the single most exciting thing to that group, and, you know, continues to be the most exciting thing. It's like this... You know, the, the fun of building things that you wished had been there when you started and you get to sort of help be the genesis of those and then seeing the impact that has on other people is sort of the you know, sort of I think the personally rewarding stuff stuff that's really exciting. And finally, Ricochet too. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, uh, I'll throw one extra thing. In. I think one of, yeah, just extra the head off ricochet. <laughs> too. Yeah. Uh, I get the, the, the allergic reactions to the word ricochet. Uh, I think one of the other reasons is we don't have anyone at the company who's job it is to pay attention to the community that's everyone's job and I think when you look at other other organizations out there they've done something that we, we think is yeah impressive. we don't have a marketing organization there's no community manager there's no like we think those are bad ideas because it, it, it creates everybody's yeah everyone that's everyone's responsibility to be reading forms all the time to pay attention to what your customers
4: are saying and it's also if you if you take to that be away making choices Yeah. Somebody never comes and tells you, Oh, I've done the market research and this is the the right thing. Yes. Because nobody would trust anybody unless you were doing the work and living with the consequences of those choices. Nobody here would trust you.
6: Yeah. Yeah. I don't get to write some code and ship a feature that customers hate and then you know, not have to pay the cost of the customers being unhappy, right? There isn't a community manager. Everyone's accountable for right? everything. Yeah, exactly. Right. I have to see the costs of my decisions, or I won't make better ones over the future. At the yeah. same time, it, you know, part of the reward I get from making games is I go online and I see see people having fun with that work. And so, by sort of removing all those artificial boundaries between us. And the the community, then we sort of get much tighter. So a really common thing you'll see around here, for
4: example, is you know a, game, a team. I think, think we I think that working at here feels like being a performer in some ways. In terms of that, you yeah. have that sense of you know of people responding to what you're doing and being incredibly motivated yeah, to make that's make spirit. them cheer again. That's a really good way of putting it. Like you, you'll see. Like
6: I've literally been involved in groups here where we ship, and you know, you, sh- you press the button to ship, and you run to the forums, and you're, you know, they have count. I <laughs> mean, it took them five minutes to spot that we changed the source code on this web page to hint that contain the hex address of a, a web page they could go to, and they they cracked that code. And now, quick, let's see how long until they get to the next. And, and
4: they get the meta know. thing, right? They understand yeah. that we're, they they approve, right? They know that we're. They know when we're manipulating them, (laughs) but they trust us that it's for fun. Part of the game. Is
0: that a thing that you get together? Do you have? Is there like? how do you pull that do you, how do you Absolutely. do that how, where do those things come from It's the puzzles <laughs> are great and like Is it just like hey guys design. I've got an idea it's game yeah. design
4: right yeah. it's no yeah. some of our games are played on PCs and some of them are played Yeah, uh, something you France. said
6: to me a couple of years ago I remember we were talking about this and he was Gabe he was arguing that every single interaction with our company should be entertaining if you email us If we give you a business card, then that should be part of the game, right? There should be something on the business card that should in some way be
4: be playable, right? Yeah, like our tour. Interaction. Means... Ne- our, our, the biggest problem with our tour right now is that there's not enough player choice.
1: What are the meetings
4: about? How, how can we make our tours something that would be more well, fun?
6: My
0: time to my first crate was about 35 minutes. <laughs> yeah, that's terrible. you go. <laughs> 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 that's
4: a, a terrible Sorry. tour. Hand you your crate in the gift.
1: the
5: guy that plays the very first crate that you see in Half Life 2. Yeah.
1: Fades <laughs> in. Oh oh That's just so yeah. great. <laughs>
5: no, we knew exactly what we were doing, yeah. as soon as it fades in, there's one right, right close the train.
6: I, I think one of my favorite descriptions of our company we read once was a, was a fan who said on a forum somewhere, Valve's a company full of trolls that occasionally releases video games.
5: Yeah. <laughs>
6: and we were oh, so bad. happy to read that. That's oh, the best description of us ever. But I think it's also it
2: also speaks volumes to the idea of if you want to create something, it's very helpful if you're in the demographic of the thing that you're right. creating, because then because then other people because then you're a fan and people read the authenticity and they also sort of imprint on that like oh my god not only is it possible for me to do those kinds of things but that's what I would do if I had you know the ability to do that and I love that it doesn't. I mean, you know, Valve is Valve as a company is worth a lot of money, and, and, and it's it's nice that that hasn't really changed the soul of what it is that you guys are doing. There's just like, oh, okay, well, now that means we can take over another floor and, uh, <laughs> and, and you know, put, like, 8 bits tile stuff on the walls and, like, you know, make Dig Dug uh, and <laughs> So it's, uh, it's, it's nice. Nice Feigar ref. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, Dig Dug yeah, well, was my way. Um, but uh, well, I think we've uh, I think we've monopolized enough of your time. But uh, thanks, man. Thanks, we really appreciate it. And I know Will was super excited to meet you. And yeah, this is really great. And like right. huge, huge. When I said, hey, do you want to go up and, and podcast Gabe with Gabe in with me? And he was like, fuck it. Yeah. you know. Um, <laughs> That's and, pretty much exactly how it happened. And then, <laughs> and then, uh, then I had the stroke. So I think I think what's gonna happen is we're just gonna start showing up here, and then eventually <laughs> you'll come to accept us as. One of your own. Uh,
4: and then yeah, I, we'll And just you soon you'll be building hats. <laughs> <laughs> um, thanks, guys. Thank thanks. you. Thank you.
5: Now leaving
3: nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito.
1: Hey, listeners, it's Will Arnett. Our podcast, Smartless, has crossed a milestone that seemed unfathomable when we started nearly four years ago, as we've just released our 200th episode. Join us as we welcome the dynamic duo of hilarity, Steve Martin and Martin Short. You've seen them on screen together in The Three Amigos, Father of the Bride 1 and 2, and most recently, and Only Murders in the Building. Both are comedic geniuses in their own right, but together they are always electric. And this episode of Smartless is no exception. I don't know if I've laughed more in a single episode, than this one. We discuss their career arcs both separately and as a comedy team, how they met, who is more difficult to work with, and what motivates them today. Is Steve a better banjo player than Marty as a singer? Find out on this bicentennial episode of Smartless. Follow Smartless in the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Smartless ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Plus, you get to hear Sean cry. What a loser!